0: In this very first episode of Midweek Move, we're going to be taking a look at the book of Acts, chapter 1, and we're going to be discussing some very practical aspects about it and how it applies to your life today.
1: Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the very first Midweek Move now. This is um, something that we have prayed about. This is something that we have talked about. Uh, We have, uh, I think, maybe started and stopped and maybe false started at times. (laughs) Um, There, we've had different names, we've had different thoughts, but this is where we have landed, and we believe we've landed here because the Lord has put us here, right? And so, we're calling this a midweek move right in the middle of the week. Man, just a refuel, just to go a little bit deeper in the Word of God, and every single week we're going to take a chapter of the Bible. We're just going to walk through it line by line, verse by verse. We're going to have different people around the table at times, and uh, for all of you that are tuning into to um, the Midweek Move, um, we, we hope that this will encourage you to take a deep dive, to know more about the Word of God, know more about God, know more about yourself in God. And that this will lead you to a greater understanding, not of life or not even a greater understanding of yourself, but a greater understanding of Jesus. Right. And so, uh, again, midweek move, man, this is just right smack dab in the center. And so today we're starting in the book of Acts, which I am super Super pumped about starting in the book of Acts. Um, we're starting in the right place. Uh, and today, uh, I've got around the table with me a guy that all of you know very well. You've heard his voice, uh, you've heard voiceovers, you've probably seen him on Geek Devotions, you've probably seen him on uh, something to have to do with Geek Con and Geeks <laughs> Under Grace. And Nerdville, USA. No, not the last one. But uh, anything in geekdom that's leading people to Jesus, this dude has been a part of it. Uh, also, uh, you have seen him and heard him on everything that the Healing Place does. Uh, but today, our guest is Dallas Mora.
0: Hey, hey, I'm excited to be here. I'm really excited to get this started. Like we've we've been like you said, we've been trying to get this going <laughs> for a while, and um, you know, it's all about timing. Is what the Lord wants. And yeah, I think that. Even in it, what we're going to discover as we read through the Acts, it's all about God's timing. That's right. And this, I think, is uh, God's timing. It's and it's time to make a move with certain things. So I hope you guys are excited about this. We were joking earlier about maybe a theologian, and that comes with a lot of heaviness. A lot of, like thoughts, <laughs> I am not a Michael Brown or some of their cats. But I will say this: that through this, everyone can be a theologian because a theologian is simply somebody who studies the Word of God. That's right. So if you're watching this, you're like, well, I mean, I'm not that high of thinking. I'm not either. Um, but as we study the word we we act as theologians. So I want to encourage you guys to really dig in and be part of what's happening here.
1: That is so good. And here's the deal. You can know a lot about the word of God, mm-hmm. but you can deny literally deny the power that is in the word of God. Sure. You can intellectually know the word but yet not walk in the power of the word. The word is powerful. The word says that the Bible, the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword. It's powerful. Right. And the Word of God was not meant for us to just pull it out and go, hey, this is my favorite book. I'm going to read my favorite chapter. Right. Or I already know how it ends. The great thing about the Word of God is you can read something over and over and over and over again, but depending on what season you're in, it Mm. may take you to another level of growth. Right. Just depending on what season you're in. The Word of God is eternal. Right. Right. but yet we are still in this process of growing. So we hope that walking through this, you will, you will open your Bible, you will follow along, you will jump in the chat, you'll ask questions. Um, we're going to do this in multiple platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to do this in multiple ways. It's going to spawn some different things as well. Uh, but whenever you're listening to this, uh, whenever you're watching this, if there is an opportunity for you to put a comment or something like that, please do that. We do look at those things. We do go back and look at those things and want to know, man, what is this doing in people? What are, what are they thinking about? What right. questions are they asking? So um, are you ready? I'm ready. I think I, I just in my mind I'm I'm hearing like epic music right now like the theme to Rocky or something like he's about to come out you know it's like we should have something like that there should be streamers going off of balloons or something like that We'll see what we can do in post <laughs> Just no goofy filters like okay. Facebook, please. <laughs> All right. So we are starting in the book of Acts. If you want to know where to go, go to the middle of the book, find Matthew, and then just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, and then you'll you'll see John, and then boom, there is the Acts of the Apostles. It may say that in your Bible. It may say the book of Acts. Um but we're going to start reading, and so let's uh, let's dig in. Let's dive in. All right. So the former account I made. This is Acts chapter one, verse one. The former account I made. I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Now here's the key. The former account I made. Who is I right here, Dallas? Here,
0: I most people pretty much agree with it. It is actually Luke who wrote the book of Luke. Um, we have him, and we get that from a variety of, of context clues where he's talking about we and a lot of context where he's talking about uh, Paul traveling with an individual named Luke. Uh, we also see just other, you know, everyone has a voice when a uh, type of type of talking. Yep. They say things, and it's just like, yeah, that's so-and-so. You know what I'm saying? And we see that typology from Luke and into Acts. There's a lot of parallels between that that we go, yeah, this is Luke, and he's writing to a guy named Theophilus who was probably a uh, – Somebody he served as a physician at some point.
1: Yep. So just like uh, Dallas has known me now for 12 and a half years. I feel he, like
0: longer knowing some of the people you raised. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he, knows, uh, he knows my cadence. He knows my mannerisms. He even knows my writing style, which I love to write. He knows my writing style. So say you put five things in front of Dallas and you go one of these, maybe 10 things in front of Dallas and go, Scott wrote one of these things. Right. He could probably, you could probably pick out the one that I wrote. Yeah. And so that's what he's saying about Luke, is there are things that that in this writing that draw back to really no one else but Luke. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some speculation, but none of it has any real merit right. as far as the rest of the Word of God. It, right. it really doesn't. I mean, some have tried to make it certain things, but it just doesn't. It all kind of points to Luke, and I think even further into Acts, we see, yeah, that makes total sense. Right. So. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now it's talking about until the day in which he was taken up, you're talking about um, uh, uh, he was taken to the cross and then resurrection and all these different things. And it says that uh, verse three, to whom he also presented himself alive. So he presented himself alive to the apostles. We know that there were other people also that saw him in those forty days. We know that uh, the the women that were a part of the ministry uh, saw him as well. I kind of always go back to that uh, that scene where uh, you know they're they're in the room and uh, the ladies have already seen. They've run to him. You know. Uh, Peter and John have gone, and they've kind of seen it, and, and but everybody's still questioning, and they're in the room, and they're questioning. And, of course, Thomas, he gets a really bad rap. I mean, he right. really does get a bad rap. And Jesus just poof, shows up. Mm-hmm. We don't know if he like just <laughs> melded through the wall or what happened, but right. all of a sudden he's there, and they see him. So we're talking about the, the the resurrected Jesus presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So here we have this. Jesus has been crucified. He's uh, dead and buried. He's resurrected now. It's been 40 days. Uh, there is... Uh, a special event that's about to happen in Jerusalem. Right. Um, it, it's amazing when we read in the Bible that it seems like a lot of these critical things that are about to happen are always happening when something big is going on in Jerusalem, right? Right. So then it says this in verse 4, and we we have to remember the context of what Jesus had already told them, and that is, you're going to go somewhere, I'm going to send you somewhere, Right. and then out of that you're going to go so with all of that in context it says and being assembled together with them with them so here is the resurrected jesus he commanded them not to depart from jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the father which he said you have heard from me now before we read this next verse what, like, what is he talking about here where he says, you have heard these words from me, the promise, because promise capitalized. Mm-hmm. This is not just a promise, but the promise. So where is he going with this?
0: What he's going with this is uh, something that he's referenced um, several times in the past. And you see these references in Matthew, Mark, and Luke talking about the promise of the Holy Spirit and, um, And now there was a lot of ways the Holy Spirit was expressed through the uh, previous Gospels and how that was playing out. But that's what these people are looking for. Now, they don't know who the Holy Spirit is. That's right. They've not experienced him. They don't know uh, what that would look like, So which is really cool because we're over here and we're in 2021, not to date the podcast or anything, but (laughs) we're in 2021 and we got this mindset. We have 2,000 years of, of church history. That's right. These guys in real time, they're like, he said to wait for the promise. Yep. And they don't know what that is. They've heard some teachings about a promise. That's right. But they're not sure what that looks like.
1: That's right. And then he goes on in verse 5, and he says, for John truly baptized with water. Now he's speaking about John the Baptist and, and uh, baptizing in water. He said, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So this is a great place to kind of just check this out for a second. The words to describe the Holy Spirit up to this point that Jesus has kind of let him in on has been uh, water, Right? Water of life. Uh, He will, uh, he's gonna be a comforter, Mm -hmm. right? Wind has been in a description. Right. Fire Mm -hmm. has been in a description where he says he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire. So we got fire, we got wind, we got water. We got, he's gonna be a comforter, right? Mm -hmm. He's gonna be a counselor, right? Right? He's gonna be an advocate. So all these words are describing what sounds like to me is a person, right? Would you get that?
0: I would totally get that. I mean, it, it, like, <laughs>
1: like, if I'm like, "Hey, Dallas, uh, I'm going to send a counselor your way," are you going to think that like there's going to be this cloud come and there's going to be this wind and the counselor is going to speak to you out of this cloud, or are you expecting a person?
0: I'm expecting a person, especially in context of who we talk about. The these are these are Jews who always seen God as a as a being. Yep. You know, you go back to Genesis. Let's make man in our in our image. They have context of God being a a physical form. Then these guys are thinking Jesus as the Messiah, the Messiah. So they're like physical beings. So Holy Spirit, physical dude.
1: Right. So and here we've got Jesus the Messiah has come in bodily form. Right. Mm-hmm. So God the Father speaks of one who's coming. He's going to rescue you. Mm-hmm. He's going to deliver you. He's going to set up a kingdom. All these things are in their mind. Jesus comes, and it doesn't quite flesh out the way that they thought it was going to because He's not sitting on the throne taking up an earthly kingdom. He's talking about a kingdom to come, but that He also brought the kingdom, meaning uh, the principles, the values, the morals, the foundations of the kingdom Jesus brought, and Jesus was teaching that. And now He's saying... There's a comforter and the counselor. So if I am them, I'm thinking, okay, Jesus Christ of Nazareth was the Son of God, so now this Holy Spirit, who is that guy? Mm -hmm. Like, have we seen him before? Is this somebody we've hung out with? Like, who is this comforter, who's this counselor that's going to come, and what is he going to... He's going to baptize us with fire. Mm -hmm. That doesn't sound awesome. No. Because go Old Testament and fire... Is representing
0: purification.
1: Purification. Consuming. Right. Like burning away.
0: Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Never good. Right? right. And so when we talk about, it's important as you're reading the word of God to not just read it and just keep going, but to really not analyze it, but allow it to get in your spirit. Again, we can overanalyze scripture and try mm-hmm. to make it into something that it's not. Right. A lot of times we can try to go, oh, well, they really meant this you got to read it for what it is, Mm -hmm. right, in the context in which it's written. But in doing that, it's important for us in real time to go, wow, they didn't really know what this was going to look like. Right. Because, again, what that does for us is now when God begins to speak something to us or gives us a promise, we're not trying to preconceive what it's going to look like. We're just simply, okay, Lord, however you want to do it, I'm not going to expect this guy to come and give me that or this lady to come or for this situation to happen. I'm not going to try to formulate what it looks like. You said it. You promised it. I'm just going to be obedient to what you've told me to do. Right. Right? All right. So verse 6 Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So Dallas, you, you, you got any thoughts on this right here?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, again, this shows you the context that they're not, they're, even though they've seen so many things, they've experienced things, they've seen the resurrection of Jesus, they still don't have a concept of what things are going to be just yet. They're still looking for the physical uh, warlord, Messiah, to come through take out the Romans yep. and establish an earthly kingdom first, even though they've seen all this stuff. And this is what they're asking for is like, are you going to come in and wipe out and make what we perceive is going to be the truth?
1: Right, where we get to sit on thrones. Right. We get to rule and reign. Like we get to take our vengeance out on those that have harmed us or hurt us. But none of that has happened. No. So then he goes on to say this, and he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Now, this here's a key right here. Again, we keep it in real time, but for us, we can look at this and know that this exact scenario has happened for us. Is that mm-hmm. we want to know, like, Lord, what are you saying? <laughs> like, when are you going to do this? When is this going to happen? As a matter of fact, this just happened last week. I was uh, I, I was in um, I was in Ohio, and um, we were at this gathering, and this young man comes walking by, and having a having a little bit of a difficult time. And probably eight, nine, maybe even 10 years ago, mm-hmm. I had prayed with him at a meeting up there, and I felt like the Lord had a word for him. And so I, I gave that word to him. And so at this meeting last week, he walks by me, and I said, hey, do you remember a word that the Lord gave you years and years ago about such and such? And he was like, oh, yeah, I've never forgotten it. And I said... You do know that that word was not for then, right? And he was like, I said it's for right now. And he just stopped. And I was like, you weren't born for comfort. Mm. You were born not just out of adversity, but for adversity. Right. And he was just like, nine years. Like when that word came to him, he probably thought it was like right then, but nine years, you know, it's not up to us to know the times and seasons of necessarily what God wants to do or how he wants to do in our life. It's just for us to be obedient, to take the next step in what he's saying to do. Right. And so basically he's telling them that. He's saying, listen, it's not for you to know. These are the same guys that, that Jesus teaches them about Serving and washing feet, and then right. they want to know who's, who's the greatest <laughs> Yeah. Who, who's, Jesus said you're gonna have to be last, and he'd go through that whole thing. He's like, You gotta be last, you gotta wash feet, and they're like, Oh, yeah, by the way.
0: Who, which one of us is the best one? <laughs> which is the best disciple? Who washes the best feet? <laughs> who's who's the best washer of
2: feet, Lord? Man, that is so
1: us. Guys, that is so us. When right. we can see ourselves in these people, and by the way, these are not superheroes that were reading some comic book about a s- bunch of superheroes, right. they're people that had a name. Nature just like ours. Yeah.
0: These are normal I think that's important for people to understand too. Is these are not characters in a story. That that's created. right. Created. These are human beings, flesh and blood. That's right. As part of why we're going through this kind of the way we are. So you guys understand the reality of these guys are living this in real time. Yep. And they don't know the end of the book. You do, but they don't. They don't. And so they are. We're seeing their response. Just the way you would respond if you were living in this time frame. That's
1: right. So he says it's not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, which means the Father has the ultimate authority over all that. And then he says this, verse 8, and this has been a well-quoted verse over and over. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, this kind of going back to going to all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature, to all the nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But also, he says, you shall receive power. That word power there, you know the Greek word for this. What's Dunamis. The, dunamis and where? What might be a word that comes from dunamis that everyone listening may know? Dynamite. Dynamite. Explosive. There's an explosive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, for them, it wasn't that they didn't know a context of the presence of God coming upon somebody. Mm -hmm. Because Old Testament, the Spirit of God came on people, Mm -hmm. rested on on them, but there are very few instances where we can see where the Holy Spirit filled somebody in the Old Testament. Right. There are a couple different instances. One, not necessarily Old Testament, but Luke chapter 1 with Zacharias. Mm-hmm. Jesus hasn't been born yet, right. yet he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesies this word about his son, John the Baptist, right. which again, for some of us, that messes up our theology. Yeah, just a bit. Because literally, it is he is filled with the Holy Spirit, not just the Holy Spirit came upon him. Mm -hmm. But here it says, when the Spirit has come upon you, but in context, we look back to what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. And here's what he said about the Holy Spirit. I believe it's in John. He said that the Holy Spirit, I will not leave you orphans. I will send the Holy Spirit and he will not just be with you, Mm -hmm. but he will be what? He will empower you. He will empower you and he will be in In you. you. So it's like they were used to the whole living with us, but now Jesus was saying, hey, it's not going to be like me. I was with you, but now the Holy Spirit's not just going to be with you. He's going to be in In you. you." Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So when it says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me, to him, about him, to him, everything points to him, in Jerusalem, that's where it starts, that's where they're at right now, and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So, yeah, any thoughts on that verse 8 there, Dallas?
0: Yeah, I just, again, it's the whole thing, you shall receive power, but there's a purpose behind it. We, You and I come from a a, um, a historical background where people have kind of, they've taken that and they've ran with it. It's just all about the gifts, all about the powers of certain things. Again, we want to stay in context in context of where we're at, they're go, they're going. We're receiving this promise, that's coming with certain abilities for a mission, and that mission is to reach other people. These are the same people who Jesus already um, um, empowered and encouraged beforehand yep. to go out in twos to go witnessing. They got this in their mindset. We are called. We are called to preach the gospel to let people know about the coming Messiah, and now they're being empowered to do it more. But this time. They're going further out than they ever did before. Right. He's telling them to go to Jerusalem, which they're all familiar with. Judea, they're comfortable with that. But now we're stepping into Samaria, yep. which they only did it a couple times in in uh, the four Gospels, and and they're a little shaky about going to Samaria because they were the Samaritans. You're not supposed yeah. to mix.
1: Yeah, and they were also in disagreement with Jesus when he dealt with the Samaritan woman at the well because she was a
0: Samaritan. Exactly. And so they're going. You want us to go where? And yeah. then he's also saying into the end of the earth. So beyond even. The uncomfortableness that they know of, that he wants them to go to the places they don't even know.
1: That's right. That's right. So here's the context of all of it. Now, let's go to verse nine. Now, when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. I can never read that verse without like putting that in my head. And it always goes to some type of movie scene or something, you know, <laughs> where it's like, and I know that it's way beyond all that. Sure. But while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now, again, we may just read that and go, oh, that's great. A cloud is very significant here, mm-hmm. that he's taken up in a cloud. Because, again, we're talking about Jews. They know about the cloud by day, mm-hmm. right? The cloud, follow the cloud. Mm-hmm. In the wilderness, the cloud. There were a lot of things that happened with clouds in their history, in Jewish history, things that they learned about in school, things that they knew about that were passed on from generation to generation that happened with clouds. Right. You talk about Elijah, clouds are a big deal. You know. You talk about Elisha, same thing. So when he's taken up out of this cloud, received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold. Now here's another one of these things. <laughs> because I would be just looking as well. Right. But it says, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Now, these aren't um, church pastors who just showed (laughs) up from a church where they wear white suits. Right. These are angels, right? This is angelic hosts who also said, verse 11, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven again the angels are confirming what jesus has already told them right i'm coming back and when i come back i'm coming back my foot's going to i'm going to step out on a cloud right my foot's going to hit the mount of olives i'm coming back all this is going to happen right the angels are confirming right the word of god
0: absolutely any other thoughts? <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, you, you said it pretty clearly. He says this over and over. Matthew specifically talks about uh, you'll see a um, a signal or a, a standard in the in sky, and that will mark his second coming. and And um, it's hard for us to really wrap our head around that. I mean, first off, people are going, "Wait, how did he just float up in the air?" I don't know. It's just it's, a, it's what happened, you know. And, and to be honest, Luke being a physician, he's not going to just figuratively say stuff. He's very literal. He goes, yeah, so if he good. says that he went up, he means he flowed up into the air.
1: Which also means, Luke, as a physician, that would not have been his nature to just... That would not have been comfortable for him. Right. Because, again, there there is a science to everything. Everything has to be explained. Everything Now, he has already been on this journey with Jesus, so right. he's seen stuff that's gone beyond his comprehension, right. and we can see not his theology, but his way of thinking being destroyed in the book of Luke. Sure, You can even feel it in his (laughs) writing, just his wording. And when you look at the original language uh, of the book of Luke, you can tell that it's a strain for him. Yeah. Yet at the same time, he's still pointing everything back to Jesus. And in the book of Luke, we see maybe more recorded miracles uh, in the book of Luke than we do many of the gospel accounts. But again, it makes sense... Because Luke being a physician, That's Jesus weird. is healing right. without medicine, without treatment, miracles and healings. And thereby, it's shifting the mindset of this physician, not away from medicine mm-hmm. or away from science or away from, you know, a lot of times, again, people are like, oh, you know, God's supernatural. So that means we don't need this and we don't need this. Well, there are a lot of Greek and Hebrew words for therapy, mm-hmm. pharmakia, all these different words for healing right. that aren't just supernatural, but things that needed to be walked out. So sure. it's not that Luke's throwing all that aside, but at the same time, it is like this is beyond natural wisdom. Right. This is beyond what I can wrap my brain around or what I've learned as a doctor. This is supernatural. Absolutely. And this same thing, I I can't imagine him... Being in the midst of all this and just being like. <laughs>
0: right. And it's important for us to understand Luke is like, he's recording, he's interviewing people, he's talking to people, he's looking people face to face. Yep. And being a physician, he has every ability to go, I think you're crazy. Yep. But he's going, <laughs> this is what happened. Yep. I am thoroughly convinced this is what's taking place.
1: Yeah. And that's an encouragement to us too. Not everybody's going to understand what the Lord does in your life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not everybody's going to understand what the Lord may be telling you, even about the word of God. hmm and our expectation isn't that people would understand what we're saying or even believe what we're saying. Right. Our mission isn't to make people understand. Sure. Our mission is to declare the message of Jesus, to be witnesses, right? Absolutely. All right, so uh, verse 12, here we go. Then they returned to Jerusalem. Dallas, why are they returned to Jerusalem?
0: Because he told them to.
1: He told them to. <laughs> there it is. Know it, do it. Yeah. It's pretty simple. You can try to turn it upside down and make it something else. They're going to Jerusalem because Jesus told them to.
0: Here's the instructions. All right, we're doing it.
1: Now, we're not sure if some of them were like, hey, I'm not going to miss this. Like, I don't know what's going to (laughs) happen, but I want to be there. Right. Or some of the ones in the room going, hey, Jesus said it, I'm going. Right. Like, he just went up in a cloud. He resurrected from the dead. Dead bodies were coming out of the ground. I don't want to miss but i also don't want to disobey what he told me to do right right so we're not sure what all is going on but here's what we do know not just from the book of acts but from the gospels as well we do know that most everyone in this crew of people are dealing with discouragement mm-hmm. because things didn't work out the way they thought they were mm-hmm. that's a word for all of us right there yeah secondly there might even be some depression mm. because Jesus is leaving. Yeah. Right? Because again, they're not sure about this Holy Spirit. Right. Who is this guy? Is he going to be mean? Right. Like, is he He's bringing fire? Yeah. That was always bad for our
0: ancestors. And we know already from the Gospels that there were moments of when, when they found out he was leaving, they were grieved. It says right. they were grieved that he's leaving. Absolutely. While they were in the midst of, Of
1: the resurrected Jesus in a bodily form, they were still grieving Mm -hmm. because they knew he was going to leave, and now here he leaves. Right. So I would assume that, and even with the angels calling out to them, there had to be some type of grief where we want to watch as long as we can. We don't want Jesus to leave. Right. the angels come and are basically like, hey, didn't he tell you to do something? Yeah. (laughs) He's coming back again. But you need to go do what he just said. Right. So then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So we don't just have just the, the disciples, the apostles. Now we have kind of the whole crew, most everyone that saw the resurrected Jesus have been commanded to go, and now they go in this upper room in the place where they were staying, and there are these two words here that are, that are really key, and that's verse 14, one Accord in prayer and supplication, one accord. So Dallas, give me some, th- give just give some thoughts on that 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 mindset of one accord.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's anytime, one accord really means is you're just together in unity. You're, you're coming along and you're, you're parallel. You're not diverting your attention to something else. You know, I'm not over here, you know, working on Facebook stuff while you're over here doing something else. We're, we're focused, laser focused on a singular thing. And these guys are in one accord. They're encouraging each other. I mean, I've been in prayer meetings before that went very long, <laughs> and it gets discouraged because you're like, "Okay, Lord, what's going on?" And then, but you're encouraged by other people together, going, "Hey, we're leaning in." Let's and somebody gets, gets a word, "Hey, let's keep leaning into the Lord." There's something happening, or we're pressing through, we're working through, and when we're in one accord in prayer and in supplication, that communion together that just helps us to really stay focused on what the Lord has for us.
1: And one of the keys for one accord that differentiates it from just unity is that one accord is in the spirit. Mm -hmm. Like you can be unified with somebody not in the spirit. You can be unified towards a goal. Sure. A football team can be unified around one goal. Mm -hmm. Hey, we're going to do this. Or we're marching down the field. We want to get to here because we need a field goal for this. Or we're going to do this. Unified around a goal. You can do that Mm -hmm. and you can accomplish some things. But one accord takes it a step further to being in the Spirit, literally being one. Right. And how is it possible for me to be one with you? We're two separate people. Mm -hmm. But in the Spirit, we can be one. It's like when a husband and wife come together, they're two separate individuals. But in the Spirit, when they come together in that covenant, Mm -hmm. the two become one. Right. Well... Tanya's Tanya and Scott is Scott, but in the Spirit, we're one. Right. We're unified. We're in one accord, moving the same direction toward Jesus, and that is the delineation here is that they're not just coming together to be unified, but they're in the Spirit because it says in prayer and supplication, mm-hmm. not just in praying to God, but asking. Right, Supplication, asking. Uh, some say that, that the root of supplication is... N- Takes on a connotation of, of um, not begging, but like a a mourning, mm-hmm. like a like a m o u r n i n g mourning, like calling out to God, a, just an inner groaning. Right. So it's not just, hey God, what's up? We're here. Mm-hmm. It's like all of their discouragement all of their depression, all right. of their questions are kind of being brought in the Spirit right. through in their prayers.
0: Absolutely. There's a deep desire going, this is where we're at. Yep. And they're they're really expressing the, the grief, but also the desire. Like they're almost grieving because they desire so much of the Lord's what the Lord has for them.
1: Yeah, so they're in this upper room, and they're praying for something they don't even know is going to happen or mm-hmm. what it's going to look like. And then there comes a shift in verse 15. Mm-hmm. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. In those days. So it's not saying the same day, right, that we're saying right here. Right. It's saying in those days. Why is it saying days
0: plural? Because they were up in this upper room, this space, for multiple days. This wasn't like a 30-minute prayer meeting. Right. This wasn't a, hey, let's meet. We have a, we have a times of prayer here at the church on Thursdays. And it's not the new time prayer. It's we're here for a couple of days, interceding, seeking the Lord, and um, not giving up until we receive what we want. I think the old the old Pentecostal word was tarry.
1: Tarry, that's right. They yeah, were yeah.
0: tarrying for the Lord.
1: Yeah, that wasn't just a Pentecostal that. That was <laughs> that was uh, everybody word back in the day. That was a Baptist word. That was right. a Methodist word. That was uh, if you were going after God, you were tearing. tarrying. Yeah. yeah. And if you didn't weep, if you didn't cry before God, you weren't praying. Right. Like. No, there wasn't some of this, hey, what's up, bro? Right. No, 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 no. And so in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about 120. 120. So we're talking 120 people, which that, that number 120 always takes me to Chronicles when they're rebuilding the, the temple mm-hmm. with Solomon, and the 120 are blowing the trumpets together, and they're making one sound, one accord. Those words again, one accord. Right. <clears throat> and it says, men and brethren, and this is Peter speaking, this Scripture had to be fulfilled. This Scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke by the word of uh, by the mouth of David concerning Judas who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. So now Peter is saying, listen, there's something else we've got to do here. We're not just waiting for the Holy Spirit, but in order to do what Jesus has called us to do, we're going to have to we're going to have to make a decision and it's not that Jesus specifically told them to do it. But it is for fulfillment of a prophetic word from the word of God mm-hmm. to fulfill the word. So there is a there is a prophetic word that was given for this specific moment in time. I think it's so cool that they recognized this moment. Mm-hmm. If they didn't know that prophecy, mm-hmm. they would have missed this moment. Yeah. And if they missed this moment, they may miss the moments to come. Absolutely. I think that this is one of the most underrated portions of this chapter because everybody looks to what Jesus is saying and then he's ascending and he's gone and they're praying and they're in one accord. And then sometimes people stop at verse 14 and go, oh, they're just going to choose another guy. But when you realize that they know the prophecy, mm-hmm. they know what the Word of God says, and they recognize this is the moment. Here's the, here's, here's the amazing encouragement for us. As we read the Word of God and we know what the Word of God says, we will find ourselves in moments. And if we will take the Word of God and recognize that moment, man, this is the moment the Lord spoke to my heart about, this, right. is, this is what the Lord was saying, then we will not miss that moment. Thereby, we won't miss the next moment and the next moment and the next moment. And so it says, "'This scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus.'" Speaking of Judas betraying Jesus, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. So again, Judas, he was doing the stuff. I mean, he was ministering, he was declaring the gospel, he was declaring Jesus Mm -hmm. as the Lamb of God, he was healing the sick. I mean, he was doing all of those things. Um, verse 18, now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his entrails gushed out. Graphic. <laughs> wow. And this is the New King James Version. I can't imagine what the, uh, <laughs> well, the other ones <laughs> Yeah, I can't imagine what those say. In other words, it turned out really bad for Judas. Right. And I I do feel for that man. Yeah. I really do, because he did not have to meet that fate. Right, he he could have been, he could have had a moment like Peter had with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Judas, do you love me? Yeah. Do you love me?
0: That's one of the sad things for me is that that's what could have been. Like if he had been real, if he had stuck around, if he had not um, given into his grief, because that's what happened. He was grieved at what he had done. Um, He couldn't condemnation. Yeah, because he didn't even keep the money they ended up giving him. Yeah,
1: he threw it back. That's right, and it was almost like his own guilt. At his own condemnation toward himself. And what he failed to realize that Peter knew maybe more than any of the rest of them was that grace. Mm-hmm. That grace and that mercy. You're right. Right. And Judas never allowed himself that grace.
0: Yeah. If we could just real quick wanna have because it describes the way he died. And this is one of those things where people have objections about the scriptures, saying that well, there we have contradictions. It says here he headlong something, in the other ones in the Old Testament, or I'm sorry, not the Old Testament, in the gospel says he hung himself. Right. Uh, there was a practice back then of basically thrusting yourself upon a sword or a really sharp rock, and that's what they're describing here. And it was also called hanging yourself because you literally hung over these things. Yep. So that's just one of those things that kind of want to slide in there real quick. That's um, a good point. Because. If we don't talk about these things, it will mess people up and down the road. Yep,
1: absolutely. Verse 19, and it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem. So everybody knows right. this is what happened to him. So that the field is called in their own language Achel Dema, that is field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms. Now, this is where they knew they knew the word. Let his dwelling place be desolate, and that no one live in it. And let another take his office. I think it's awesome that Peter knew the scripture, mm-hmm. he knew the prophetic word, and he knew this was the moment, and he knew the hymn in Psalms was Judas. Right. The, the his dwelling, the his office, that's Judas. Right. And this is the moment, everyone. Like, someone in the room knew that was the moment. You know, I I like to say this all the time. When we gather together, someone in the room's got to know what's going on.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Because if we're all just coming to hang out and just be like, hey, 10 o'clock, ah, man, hope we're done by 1130. (laughs) Be good, man. I checked my box, went to church. Somebody in the room needs to know what God is saying. Absolutely. And there's a mantle that's been put on somebody in the room to know. And here... The mantle of knowing and understanding what the Lord has said and is saying has fallen on Peter. And Peter says, look, this is, this is that Scripture. This is the fulfillment. Verse 21, Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they proposed two, Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. Man, all these names. <laughs> like 14 names. And they prayed. Wow, imagine that.
0: Praying before you do something.
1: They didn't just go, hey, you know what? You know Joseph. Well, he's also known as Bar- uh, Barsabas. No, 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 Justice. <laughs> you know, he. He came and laid carpet at my house one time. I really like that guy. Let's pick him. And then somebody's like, no, 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 Matthias, like, man, dude brought me some food the other day. I lost a family member. His family brought me this. I like him. Well, they're not going by personal like. It says, and they prayed and said, you, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen. "...to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias. And he was numbered with the eleven apostles." Matthias, the the lesser known of the apostles. <laughs> right. right, The lesser talked about of the apostles. So in this last part, Dallas, what are you, what are you taking from this? What can we take from this? Because, well, again, we can read it and be like, ah, this really doesn't have anything to do with me.
0: Right. Honestly, one of the things that stuck out to me while we were reading it was that here they are—they're—they're they're, they're in the upper room. They're praying, they're seeking the Lord, but they're not just praying. They're taking care of business, yeah, and yeah. I feel like there's some people there's this there's this giant pendulum swing within the church where you have these people who are what some would call hyper spiritual, and it's just you know they're out there, and you have the other ones who go all the way outside, ignoring the spiritual aspects. And it's all business. They've turned church into a corporate place. Here they're doing business, and then they're praying in the midst of doing business. And I feel like that's one of the things that we need to have our mindset of is while you are a spiritual person, you have responsibilities you have to do. And you need to learn to combine those things together.
1: I remember somebody um, saying that the Lord told them they didn't have to work anymore.
0: Yeah, Interesting. I got a word from the Lord. <laughs> I don't have to work
1: anymore. Right. I was like, well, I, I'm not sure that was the Lord, because <laughs> I think there are some other scriptures that back up that He didn't tell you that.
2: Right.
0: Well, I mean, I, go, I mean, even with that, and I mean, you point, look at uh, down the road, the Apostle Paul. He was the Apostle Paul. Right. He's the one that said, you know, hey, look, you know, it's okay to pay your ministers. He's also the guy who built tents while presenting the gospel. That's right. And so, but that's, I don't know, that's kind of what really stuck out to me, is that there is a dichotomy to stuff. We cannot ignore our spiritual life. We can't ignore our responsibilities and the regular stuff and taking care of what needs to be taken care of. But they do combine together.
1: And in the midst of everything, if we do everything, everything, as unto the Lord, Mm -hmm. then everything, not can be spiritual, but everything takes on a connotation that every decision we make
2: mm-hmm.
1: can have the spirit of Jesus on it. Right. Because we're doing it as unto the Lord. Right. Our jobs, they may not seem spiritual, but we are spiritual beings. Right. If we're doing a job and it is as unto the Lord, mm-hmm. guess what? It has kingdom qualities. Absolutely. Everything we do as we do it unto Jesus has a kingdom quality, right. has a kingdom principle to it. And here, it wasn't like this is a deacon board and they absolutely had to have another person. Right. They're fulfilling Scripture. Right. So it's not like they're like, listen, this isn't like a church constitution and bylaws (laughs) saying that, okay, we've got to have four, we've got to have five. This was the prophetic word of the Lord. The prophetic word of the Lord said that someone is going to take his office. Right. And Peter recognizes The Word of the Lord said this, now we have an opportunity, and this is one thing I've always looked at with the Scripture, we have an opportunity to fulfill the Word of God. Right. Not just in praying for the Holy Spirit to come, but to actually... And when they make this decision, Mm -hmm. they fulfill the prophetic Word. Right. With one simple decision (laughs) on Matthias, they have fulfilled the prophetic word. Mm. Never think that what you do on a day-to-day basis is so small because a lot of times what you do as you do it under the Lord, you're fulfilling prophecy. Right. You're fulfilling the prophetic word of the Lord. Absolutely. That as you do it under the Lord, you are fulfilling not only the will of God, but the prophetic word. So, Acts chapter 1 man, there's more than just <laughs> and you shall receive power, right? Right. Um I love the way Luke reads this. Um, It's amazing. And we have a lot of takeaways. Uh, We don't want to tell you what the takeaway is because we want you to be able to take away whatever the Lord is speaking to your heart. How does this apply to you? What can you do with this? How can you grow in this one chapter? Listen, we've just taken a few minutes just to walk through the scriptures and read the scriptures. For some of us, This may be the first time that you've sat down and read a chapter of the Bible in a very long time, right? Right, but you can walk through it. It's not about reading a chapter; it's about whatever you're reading, getting it in your life, allowing it to take root, right? And then using what God has given you in your daily life.
0: Exactly. You know, this this is my Bible, and it's it's a it's it's there's a lot to this. I think a lot of people they go, man, there's just so much here. I just don't know if I can. We guys, we just did one chapter. I think it's been like maybe forty minutes that we've been talking about it. Take just this one chapter and activate in your life. Don't yep. don't worry about everything else. Just take one bit, and then go on to the next one.
1: That's one thing I love about um, at the Healing Place. We've been doing this uh, promises. Yeah, and it's one verse. Every week, it's one promise. Right. But yet, as people are reading it, they're reading the context of that verse. So they're getting more in them. They're not just taking that one little verse, but we've been presenting it in a contextual, and they're going, wait a second, there's more than just that (laughs) promise. Like... And when I know more about what's going on around the promise, the promise becomes even better, right? <laughs> than it was just just stand alone. All right, so uh, Acts chapter one. Hey, we're gonna pray. Let's pray, and we're just gonna pray that man this would take root in us. So Jesus we love you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for just giving us this opportunity to walk through your word. Just this this uh, this midweek move. We're just making a move in your word. To grow, uh, to become more like you, Jesus, a little less like us, a little more yes, like God. you, Jesus. And uh, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the substance that it is. We thank you that it is living and powerful. And we thank you, Lord, that we can um, we can learn not just about these people and about you, but we can learn about ourselves. Yes, sir. That who we are in you. And so, Lord, I just pray for those that are out there that have felt condemned that they don't read the word of God. Those that have felt condemned um, uh, and even guilty themselves for maybe what they can't do. But I pray right now in Jesus name, they would be encouraged that they have walked with us today. They have uh, gone in depth today. They have taken in the word of God today and that they can they can grow in Christ. They can be like Christ. They can read the Word of God. They can pray. Um, And so, Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for this opportunity uh, just to refuel, refresh, get filled up, and uh, get ready for the rest of our week. So we, uh, we honor you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, Dallas, awesome first episode. It was fun. I think very, very good. So, again, join us uh, next week, and it's going to be an awesome, awesome time. Yes, it will. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you so much for being part of the very first Midweek Move. I hope this podcast has encouraged you and challenged you. We want to invite you that if it has, if this has somehow made a shift in your life, maybe it made you think about some things you hadn't thought about before, reach out to us, let us know. You can find us on any of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just look for THPStreetport. For more information about The Healing Place or Midweek Move, visit our website, THPStreetport.com. For links on how to contact Pastor Scott directly or Dallas, feel free to check out the show notes down below. Just remember, we genuinely love you and we genuinely care about you. That's why we do these Midweek Moves. We want to help you to take your next step.